Hello again, Fight Fans, and welcome to episode number 316 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast, the Memorial Day Special. We're going about five hours early today. I figured uh, most of you would be off of work, just hanging out with friends and family. Why not do a little TNC and have a little fun? So this is TNC 316 for the last week of May. We're going into June can't believe it. The year is almost halfway over. Guys, I'm your host, Michael Montero for Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you are watching me live right now. As always, I ask very, very humbly of you to pay the fee. It is non-monetary. The fee for this show, I ain't charging you money. All I want you to do is spread the word. Tell people about the show, okay? Whether you're watching the live video right now, that we usually do Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern time, we're going today at noon. But uh, whether you're watching the video or you're listening to the audio podcast that goes out on my platforms, Montero Unboxing, all around the world, please just share the show, man. Give us likes, ratings, reviews, all that good stuff, okay? Um, got a loaded show. Got uh, some some fun stuff to review from last weekend. And then, of course, we got a big, big weekend to preview. We got two fantastic matchups this weekend. One is a complete undisputed championship. The other, a defense of a unified uh, titles, two unified titles. In the So we got the lightweight undisputed championship, and then we got the junior featherweight unified championship. So that's good stuff, man. Really, really good stuff. Neither of them pay-per-view here in the States, which, which is awesome. Before I get into that, I just want to talk very, very briefly, if you will uh, allow me to, about just Memorial Day. And I know that you know a lot of my audience um, is from other parts of the world. They're not in America. But most countries kind of have their own version of this holiday. But specifically today in the United States, Memorial Day is a uniquely, you know, distinctly American holiday. Um, so if you'll just oblige me for just a minute... Uh, most of you know that I served in the Marine Corps. I was in the United States military. And so before that, you know, when I was just a kid, Memorial Day is just another holiday. You know, it's just it's a day that you get off of school or off of work. And, you know, when you're young, you you, you hang out with your family and your parents grill and maybe you blow up some fireworks, you blow some shit up. You know, that's kind of what it is. But after serving in the Marine Corps, you know, I was very lucky. I did. I did not go to war. Um, I uh, got close. They almost sent us over to uh, like Bosnia over there. You know, I was in a unit where we kind of almost went over there when, when some of that stuff was going down, we were like locked and loaded, but they ended up not needing my group and we didn't go. But um, I had friends who ended up going to Afghanistan, to Iraq and especially Afghanistan. And most of them came back home, but some of them did not. And it really, that of course changes you as a person to, to have guys that you kind of grew up with in a sense. Cause if you think about it, you know, I was 18, 19 years old when I first went into the Marine Corps. And so were a lot of the other guys with me. And, you know, some of you may not realize this, but you're literally living together and doing everything together with these guys. And it's, it's unique because I, I mean, I'm not even being, I'm not using metaphors here. I'm being literal. You eat, sleep, shit, piss, everything together. You shower together. I mean, you're in a group, you do everything together. So these guys really, really do become almost like a family, you know, like a brotherhood. And um, you, the the relationship is unique because of that. It's not like other friendships. 
and you're risking your life and putting yourself out there to literally give your life uh, with these other guys. And so to share that bond with people and then knowing that some of them leave and some of them don't come back, it changes your perspective on things a lot. And, you know, I saw some things and went through some things during my time in the service and even in my personal life uh, that were humbling experiences that change your life and your perspective on things. And so, you know, I just I think it's important sometimes to take a day and just reflect on the good that you have and how you got to be here and, and the different reasons why. And I know for me, um, you know, having been in the military and seeing firsthand the way these things work, um, I'm, I am extraordinarily privileged and lucky to have been born in the United States. You know, I grew up in the working class. I was born literally in a trailer park to teenage parents who weren't even old enough to buy a beer, you know. So I, I started from humble beginnings and the media in this country and academia and all that uh, always teaches people the, the victim route. And, and, you know, there are social brownie points in victimhood. And I grew up thinking I was a victim. I grew up thinking, every, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder. The world would be a favor. And then in the Marines, and, and then even after that in business and different things through boxing, of course, I've traveled. I've seen a little bit of the world. I've met people from different corners of the earth. And you realize very, very quickly how lucky you are just to be American. The, the quote-unquote poor people in this country have it better than the rich people in certain parts of the world. Just being born here, even if you're in the working class, the lower class, if you will, economically, you're still doing better than literally billions with a B of people out there. And you're not taught that growing up in America. You know, you're kind of taught that the world owes you something particularly the way media is set up now. But all you've got to do is travel just a little bit and it humbles you and you can see very, very quickly how good you have it. And so anyway, um, you know, sometimes you get caught up in the day-to-day the -day minutia of your life and you forget just how good you have it. And it's, you know, this was one of those weekends where my sister came down with her husband and her two young boys, Luca and Enzo my two little nephews. And of course, my wife has a baby on the way. We're about to have our first in October. We're about to have a little girl. So, and you guys who follow me know that my brother died almost two years ago and my mother is sick. All these different things play in the mind, right? And this weekend, um, when I had some family visit, we chilled, didn't work, unplugged the phone a little bit. I trolled a little bit. <laughs> I had to troll the fight a little bit. We'll get into that, I promise. I, I won't, I won't say, I won't stay on this much longer, but we just hung out. We ate, we went to a baseball game, taking the boys to a baseball game was really cool. And, um, it just reminds you, you know, you just take that time to reflect and it's like, wow, I got two arms, two legs, two eyes, two ears, two nuts. <laughs> uh, things are going pretty damn good. It, it, life is, life is all right. You know, and sometimes it, it's too easy just to get caught up in, your day to day and you just forget like, man, it's not so bad. Things are pretty damn good. So um, that's what, that's what this holiday means to me. And it, it, maybe it is unique for me because I did serve in the military and um, I had friends who are no longer with us. Some of them have been gone for Jesus, uh, two decades, two decades. 
you know, um, right. Cut down in, you know, at, at 21, 22, um, before, you know, I think about all the things I've been able to do over the last 20 years that some of these guys I served with never got a chance to do, you know, it, it just, again, it really puts things in perspective. So I just wanted to put that out there. I hope I didn't bore too many of you guys with that. Uh, super chat from OJ22. Thank you, OJ. He says, Mike, early morning show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I figured, why not? I'm off of work today. My sister, her husband, my family just hit the road to drive back home. They got a long drive. Uh, so Tiffany's cleaning up the house. You know, we had two little, a toddler and a baby. So there's crumbs all over there. She's cleaning the house. I'm like, while she's cleaning the house, I'm going to do TNC and have some fun. And then we got a huge super chat from Chris Singh. Thank you so much, Chris. He says, happy Memorial Day, Mike. Happy Memorial Day to you as well, Chris. Thank you very, very much for that, man. You guys are awesome. Gail in the chat. She says, uh, freedom isn't free, friends. No, it is not. Indeed, indeed. And she also says, smash that like button, y'all. Yeah, get at it, guys. Smash that like button. Justin says, Mike, in five years, my army unit had three suicides. It's a tough day for a lot of people. Yes, sir. Justin, I saw two. Um, I saw two when I was in right in front of me. It's very difficult to talk about. I've only mentioned it to my wife uh, a handful of times. But seeing what I saw, um, it changes you when you see something like that up close. Uh, I won't even get into the gory details, but it was both of them were pretty bad. So those things can change you. Um, and it, this is just a day just to remember, guys, that you know there's a lot of people who have sacrificed, including a lot of people who served in our military that weren't even treated as equal citizens in this country. And I think that's something we forget, something that the movies and Hollywood doesn't talk about a lot. But there are many, many men who were treated as second-class citizens here in this country at different times and made to serve in a unit that was segregated. Think of how fucked up that is. And went over and served. And I've been privileged enough to speak with some of these gentlemen. I'll get emotional if I talk about it, but just thinking about that. And yet they were willing to go over and do that and then come back to a country where they weren't yet seen as equal. But because they did what they did, their children and grandchildren are. Pretty amazing stuff, man. Pretty amazing stuff. Miles Mahoney with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, Miles. He says, glad I randomly found you live. Thank you for your service, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. And Lawrence says, uh, congrats on the growing family, Mike. Thank you. I'm getting more and more excited. Tiffany is showing. <laughs> She's definitely showing. Although I ate so much this weekend that my, my gut feels like my wife's looks right now. <laughs> That's how much I ate. I'm taking a day off from eating. Man. <laughs> I ate a lot this weekend, but it was good. It was good. All right, guys, let's get into news and notes. A lot, only a, well, you know, only one thing really to hit on. Uh, we have a lot to review and preview, but the only real big news item, and this is huge. Now, I talked about this a little bit last week, but I didn't go into crazy detail. And we got we got months, but Canelo Alvarez, Gennady Golovkin, the rubber match, the third fight is on for September 17th. The venue is TBA. I, I've been getting texts all weekend, like all weekend. People, Mike, 
is it really going to be in Vegas? Is it going to be here? Is it going to be there? Guys, I don't know. I, I honestly, I have no more information than you have. I, I haven't even asked a lot of people. My hunch, this is going to Vegas. They're going to go for the money. This fight is about big business, right? And it's unfinished business between these two guys, but the fight itself is going to do huge numbers. So I would love to be proven wrong. I'd love to be surprised. I mean, I would love to put this in some other venue. It's going to Vegas. Okay, 99% sure it's going to an MGM property in Vegas. That's what I would bet. So if you can buy plane tickets that have like the insurance, just in case you have to return it, buy those plane tickets now because prices are already going up. And let me tell you something. When you see prices going up online, that means some of these insiders, they know what's going on and they're telling their friends and they're telling all the whales, all the casino guys are telling the whales. So you already see ticket prices to Vegas going up that weekend. That tells me like 99% certainty that's where the fight's going. Okay. One thing I do find interesting about this is there's a lot of people out there say, oh, it's just going to get knocked out in two or three rounds. He's 40 years old. Oh my God. I don't need to see this again. Some of the very same people saying that were all in on the big, big fight this past weekend between an elite level talent, an unproven elite level talent, and a journeyman level fighter. You guys were totally cool with that, but oh, we can't watch Canelo and Golovkin again because the first two fights were so bad, right? Two fight of the year contenders uh, with high skill, and the rematch was better than the first one. But yeah, we don't need to see that again. One guy, by the way, coming off a good win to unify belts. The other guy coming off a loss where he dared to be great, fell a little short, but he's still the undisputed super middleweight champion of the world, which this fight will be for that undisputed super middleweight championship. But no, you don't need to see this one. Some of you guys just crack me up, man. I, I really do not understand where the hell you get that from. I think this fight's going to be very, very good. It's going to do a huge sellout crowd. And globally, it's going to do huge numbers and it's going to be a good fight. And I'm telling you now, it's going to be highly competitive. It's more than likely going the distance. That's what I see. That is what I see. Okay, that's that. Let's get into this review. Now, I had a little fun trolling this past week, actually a lot of fun, trolling this fight between Gervonta, Tank Davis, and Rolando Raleigh Romero. A lot of people a lot of you on Twitter have zero perception for sarcasm. It, it's hilarious. And it just makes guys like me shit post even more. My man, Steve Kim's been shit posting a little bit. It's, several of you guys have, it's just so fun, especially when some of you take it like seriously. Like, so I did have some fun with this event. Even yesterday, I posted a couple of tweets, having a little fun with it. However, I'm going to be fair in my review because there's plenty of good to talk about, okay? But as with all things in life, there's good, the bad, the ugly. There's all of that. So I'm going to discuss all of it. But Saturday, May 28th, there was really only one big sporting event last weekend, and it was at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, in the United States. Showtime pay-per-view, uh, TGB Promotions in association with Mayweather Promotions, Gervonta Tank Davis going up against Rolando Romero uh, in a lightweight fight for one of the WBA. We're not even going to mention the belt because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that the promotion even mentions it. Real quick, let's talk about a couple of things. Um, almost 19,000 in attendance. Now, 
the overwhelming majority, more than half of them didn't come out until the main event. So they weren't there for the undercard. I wouldn't necessarily call most of that crowd diehard boxing fans. They were diehard Gervonta Davis fans. The guy is a proven ticket seller. And I wrote this about him in Ring Magazine three, maybe four years ago when I was writing an article, just kind of introducing him to the Ring Magazine readers. Uh, he, he's a proven ticket seller. Tank Davis has sold tickets in Atlanta, New York, I believe in Baltimore, out West. He's fought over in the UK. And he's proven he can put butts in seats. He has a following mostly through Floyd Mayweather and what Mayweather and LRB have done marketing him to what I would call a niche audience, but it's a very loyal niche audience that has significant media influence. So the hip hop community, the black media complex, and, and these are Leonard LRB's words, not mine. That is where Tank, or he, as he would say, black Hollywood. That is where Tank Davis has really, really built up a name. He's not necessarily a crossover type of star. He's not a guy that appeals to a mainstream sports audience or to casual fans. However, through Black Hollywood, um, the hip-hop community, he can get to some casual fans, particularly young casual fans, through those communities, through those media channels. And he, he does sell tickets. The guy is a proven ticket seller. What will be interesting is to see what the pay-per-view numbers for this card are reported as. Remember, he was supposed to fight Raleigh Romero before, and there were some issues outside the ring uh, with Romero, and so they found a last-minute replacement opponent. I saw Cruz last time. They didn't even report those pay-per-view numbers. So Tank's pay-per-view numbers haven't been very good. However, they've been building this fight up really for years, honestly. It, it didn't start in 2022. The, the talk of these two fighting started years ago. And you could even go back, as I mentioned before, to Raleigh Romero's fight against Jackson Marinez, um, which he lost, but got a, a gift decision and all that. That The plans were in motion way back then, and that was several years ago, for him to eventually fight Javante Davis. They were eyeing this all along. It was in the, you know, uh, on the horizon, if you will. And so because of all that infrastructure and everything there, I think that the, the pay-per-view, it's very likely that the pay-per-view numbers for this fight will be the highest so far in Javante Davis's career, or at least very, very close to the numbers he did against Leo Santa Cruz, who brought in a fan contingency of his own because he was a known fighter, particularly in the Mexican-American community, Mexican-American fans. So um, it, it's, that's going to be interesting to watch. But the fact that this did almost 19,000 fans, and they were basically all there to see Javante Davis, um, that is significant. There are not many boxers, particularly American boxers, who can do that. So that is something to definitely celebrate and to note. And it's an accomplishment. And it's something that Floyd Mayweather, Leonard Ellerby, and that whole team there, that management team, deserves credit for. They have built that. Now, once again, I need to reiterate, it's not a crossover audience. It doesn't, it doesn't, there's no, the mass appeal and all that isn't there. But among that niche audience, which does have significant media influence, as I've stated before, um, it's, a, it's a loyal, dedicated fan base. And they have come to different markets 
to support this guy. So that's quite a significant accomplishment by Floyd and the management team there for Tank's team. All right, real quick, um, the undercard, not a whole lot to speak of. This was a really, really poor undercard, and the pacing of it was really, really bad, which, you know, generally speaking, TGB promotions, when they're promoting a show on their own, they do a great job keeping the undercard moving. Boom, 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 boom. The fights come right at one after another. But this was a Mayweather promotions show, and it just felt slow. It just The build felt very, very slow. Anyway, uh, Eduardo, Eduardo Ramirez scores a majority decision over Luis uh, Melendez. That was junior lightweights. In junior middleweight action, Jesus Ramos scores a unanimous decision win over Luke Santa Maria. A lot of people thought that fighter would be or that fight would be harder for Ramos than it was, but he did well. He did really well. And in the co-main, Irislandi Lara, TKO 8 win over Gary Spike O'Sullivan. So, yeah, not much to write home about with that undercard. By the way, um, I do have to mention this as we get into the main event here. The gambling, the betting. I'm not somebody who gambles and bets a lot, but we had Thad call in Friday. Thad is um, a guy who gambles and bets a lot and does very, very well. Very plugged in. Uh, he told he told us about a two-fight parlay on this card that was still – I we checked Saturday. Actually, one, a friend of mine checked, and it was still pretty much even money. If you bet Gervonta Davis and Irislandi Lara by stoppage, you pretty much got dollar for dollar. So if you bet 100 bucks, you'd win 100 bucks. That was free money. That was free money. And I, if you didn't bet that, oh, boy, did you miss out because that was so – it was so obvious – and it was actually really, really smart by Mayweather Promotions to do this because there were a lot of casual gamblers and sucker money coming into Vegas during fight week. And they looked at somebody like Spike O'Sullivan, Irislandi Lara. I think a lot of people looked at that matchup and either bet the over or bet Lara points because they said, oh, Lara doesn't punch hard. He's moving up from 54 to 60. But anybody who knows boxing, Anybody who understands the sport of boxing knew that Lara, it wasn't if, it was when Lara was going to stop Spike Sullivan. That, like, it was so obvious. And I, I believe the under over was like nine, nine and a half. Bet the under, right? For both of these fights, I said bet the under. And uh, that was just free money, that, that two-fight parlay. And then, of course, in the main event, so many people bought into Raleigh Romero. And I, it, I really thought about this over the weekend. and what. Team Tank, which is formerly Team Floyd, right? The way they promote shows and what they have tapped into here, and I'm going to get into that in just a second, but it's really, really smart. And they end up making a killing in Vegas. Them and their friends that end up financing a lot of the stuff that they do make a killing in Vegas off of suckers, off of what I call rubes. Yeah, that word's from like the 1950s. I'm bringing that shit back. I love it. I heard it in a movie recently, and I'm like, I'm using that word. So... So many, so many people came in during fight week and put money on Raleigh, and they really believed it. And all that did was help all the people that knew Tank was going to win. And all you had to do was look at the scorecards to know Tank was going to win. Okay, it, it was it was Tank had to live up to his end of the deal to show up in shape and everything, and he did that. So let's get into this fight. Okay, so Javante Davis TKO six win over Orlando Romero. Um, now, a lot of people have brought up the fact that Javante Davis didn't punch a lot. And he, they were like, oh, he was really hesitant. And he, he was um, just not letting his hands go. And Raleigh was really, really bothering him with his awkward style and 
um, a lot of people had rally up like four rounds to one. I saw all kinds of tweets and people were upset about the stoppage. So in the sixth round, Tank laid back and remember he's a Southpaw. So he laid back Southpaw style and Romero kind of dove in with a two punch combo. Tank got just out of range where the punches didn't have a whole lot on them covered up and then shot back with a left hand, looped it a little bit, kind of scooped it. And it landed real nice um, on Romero's chin, kind of on the side of the chin as it came in. And he was done. He went down, crashed into the ropes, got up. The ref gave him a chance, gave him some instructions, really, really gave him a chance. It's not as if he immediately called off the fight. He said, hey, move to your right, move to your left, come to me, blah, blah, blah. And he just didn't like what Romero did. And Romero's legs were shaky. I was totally fine with the stoppage. I didn't think it was premature. He could have let the fight continue. He could have. But Raleigh was about to get one punch KO'd. Right, it would it would have been a one punch knockout. The fight was over, and the fight, the people that got really really upset about that stoppage and upset about the scorecards because I guess the official scorecards had Javante Davis way up, and a lot of people felt that Raleigh should have been up at that time. All of you that are upset about the scorecards in this particular case or the stoppage. It's because you don't understand that you were manipulated. You don't understand that the promotion got you and you fell for it. This was designed for Javante Davis to get a showcase win. This was never, ever, ever going to be an upset special. Wasn't going to happen. And the only reason it looked as competitive as it did is because Davis let it be competitive. This wasn't Raleigh Romero fighting better than expected. He did his job. He promoted the fight. He played the clown and he got people talking. He got pushed off the stage <laughs> at the weigh-in. Um, he came in there and he did make it a little awkward early on. But for, for Tank, let me explain something to you guys. According to CompuBox, Tank Davis throws about 37 punches around. Okay? That's what he averages. In this fight, I believe he threw 14 punches around. That's not because Raleigh was putting it on his ass and he was scared or he was intimidated or he just couldn't let his hands go. He had to be smart early on because he was in there with an awkward, rugged guy who can punch a little bit. And especially it's one thing if somebody can punch, but they're doing it from a fundamental textbook standpoint. It's another thing if they can punch and they're doing it from a crazy, awkward standpoint. And you don't exactly know what angle the punches are coming at. As a guy who just fought someone like that, I can tell you, yeah, it'll make you sit back and think. And you'll think about, okay, let me see what this dude's coming with and learn his angles and spacing, and then we'll go to work. That's all. And Javante Davis had 12 rounds to work with people. He had 12. It wasn't a three-round amateur fight. This was a 12-round professional fight. He had 36 minutes to work with. So Tank threw less than half the amount of punches he normally does. He threw about a third of the amount of punches he normally does because he wasn't necessarily trying to box this dude. He told himself, this guy is going to make a mistake. I am going to catch and I am going to counter. I'm going to set him up to make a mistake and I'm going to make him pay for it. That's it. That was his strategy. And in the meantime, he said, listen, I'll keep these rounds close enough where they're debatable but I'm the A side. I'm the red corner. I'm the A side of this promotion. I am going to get the benefit of the doubt in a close round because that's what the red corner gets. That's what the A side gets. So Tank knew that. Basically, he went in there and kind of did what Deontay Wilder did for most of his heavyweight title run. 
And there was a little element of Floyd Mayweather in there. Throwing a flurry or something toward the end of the round to get, a, you know, or one hard uh, pot shot or something that snapped a head back or whatever that got the judge's attention and got him around. That was very, very close and competitive. He knew exactly what he was doing. All this talk that Raleigh was going to get, you know, uh, gypped on the cards. And well, what the what the hell did you people think? I told you, I told you last week. I can't spell it out for you any more clearly than I did. And some of you are still upset. I just, I did you not listen to what I said? And I wasn't the only one. Come on, guys. Listen, if you look at what Floyd Mayweather did in his career, and Tank Davis is kind of, he's Floyd's protege, right? If you look at what Floyd did, and I'm not talking about pretty boy. I'm talking about money made. Pretty boy was with top rank. You got to fight people. I'm talking about when he was kind of managing his own career, working with Al as money made. What they would do is find the two Mexican holidays. They'd find a sympathetic figure. Generally speaking, it was a guy from the UK or a guy from Latin America, but sometimes it was a, an American fighter, right? There was an occasional uh, Shane Mosley or Zab Judah thrown in there, but they would find a guy and they'd market him to you. They'd package him to you guys to make you feel sympathetic for that fighter. And F Floyd fans bought Floyd fights because they were Floyd fans. He could fight the ice cream man and they or the bin man, as they call him in all, uh, England, and they'd watch, right? They're, they're Floyd fans. But, every, but Floyd haters and casual fans would say, man, this Ricky Hatton's really got a chance. This Arturo Gotti, Shane Mosley, yeah, he's past his best. Miguel Cotto, he's past his best. But I'm telling you, he's taken camp seriously. Did you see HBO 24-7? Man, he just looks hungry. I'm telling you, man, this Robert Guerrero, if he puts his punches together, Marcos Maidana, if the ref lets him work on the inside this time, oh, he's got a chance. Victor Ortiz, if he just keeps his head together, doesn't get crazy, he's really got a chance. You guys bought the same script over and over and over. It was like you were buying, you were going to, to the theater to see the same movie. Now, maybe they changed the name of the movie. Maybe they changed the co-star because the star was always Floyd, right? So they changed the co-star and the title, but it was the same script. Over and over and over, and you guys kept buying it. And you kept bitching and moaning when it didn't go the way you wanted it to. And guys like me were saying, do you not understand? It's the same script. They're just changing the co-star and they're changing the title of the film. That's it. That's what they're doing here at Javante Davis, just on a dumbed-down scale. But that's what they're doing. And, and, and some of you are just failing to understand that. It's amazing. And now, so, again, some of you do understand it. And you do see it for what it is. And you still want to see the movie because you enjoy the movie. You're like, take my money. I got my popcorn, my soda. I'm good. Take my money. I get, I get that. But for those of you bitching and moaning about the stoppage, or you, you really think that Raleigh was up in this fight, and you really think that he was having moments, and uh, Tank just wasn't the same. And Tank even said after the fight, oh, I got off to a slow start. Well, maybe he did. He didn't need to get off to a fast start against this guy. Do you think he'll fight the same way if he fights Ryan Garcia? Not that he will. But I'm just saying, if he ever does fight an actual guy who could punch back, do you think he'll start the same way? Do you think he'll fight the same way? Come on, guys, grow up. This has been done over and over and over. Now, I have to say this. The one danger here, see, Floyd, my analogy with Floyd, people forget 
he did come up with top rank. They did build him the right way. He benefited from being built by the best matchmakers in the sport. So by the time he went off on his own, he was ready for that. Javante Davis hasn't benefited. So there's an element of, hasn't element or hasn't benefited from that, I should say. But there's an element of Javante Davis that reminds me of Deontay Wilder. Obviously, they don't fight the same way. And, every, you know, obviously, Tank is more skilled, more fundamentally sound. I get all that. But there's an element here where he's not having to develop. He's falling in love with his power. In this fight with Romero, he sat back, wait for, waited for dude to make a mistake. Boom, got him, right? Uh, he did the same thing against Leo Santa Cruz, who was a career 118, 122, and then moved up. He had had one fight at 130, I think, before he fought Tank. So that was a setup, right? He's had nothing but setups. But on paper, a guy like Isaac Cruz shouldn't have won more than a round or two against Javante Davis. Shouldn't have. If he had been developed where he should be by now, he's in his late 20s. He's going on 30 years old. That level of fighter, he should dominate and stop. And even if he's a tough son of a bitch and you can't stop him, you should win 10 rounds of that fight. The fact that he didn't shows you there is a lack of development there. And he's fallen in love a little bit with his power because it's, he's getting away with it against this level of fighter. But there will come a day where he gets in there against a guy who ain't going to go down. Or if you drop him, he's going to get right back up. Think of the analogy I'm going for here, guys. Ding, ding, ding. Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Every guy Wilder had hit, even if he was losing the fight, they were B-level, C-level, or they were 48 years old with a blood pressure condition. He hit, he hit them, drop them, they wouldn't get up. But suddenly he got in there with this goofy-looking Englishman who got up. And what happened? I don't know if Deontay Wilder is ever going to be the same, right? At some point, there's going to be a cherry pick gone wrong for Javante Davis and his team. It's going to happen. When that does happen... How is he going to respond? Now, he does have more tools than Wilder. I get it. This isn't a perfect analogy. But I think you guys understand where I'm going with it. They better start developing this. I want to call him a kid. He's not. They need to start developing this man and get him. He's got to have some more tools that he can go to. And he's got to know what it's like. He's got to experience it. And I'm not talking amateurs. He needs it in the pros at the highest level. Because he's going to get in there against the guy one time. Hey, man, maybe it's Ryan Garcia. We all look at Ryan, and a lot of people think, man, Ryan's a punk. But who knows? Maybe there's something there that we don't see yet. Bevel showed us some stuff that maybe a lot of people didn't think he had before he fought Canelo, right? A toughness and a grit. Nothing got to him. All the fuckery and disrespect didn't get to him. What if, I'm not saying it's Ryan Garcia, but I'm just saying what if. What if they cherry pick and they're like, you know what? Of all these top guys, let's fight Ryan Garcia because he's soft. And they get in there and find out he ain't so soft. Maybe they drop him, but he gets back up and punches back. What's Tank going to do? So at some point, this is going to come back to bite them in the ass. It just will. That's the way this sport works, man. Um, so I mentioned, I just want to make sure I got everything here. Oh, here, here's a note. Uh, well, I just want to reiterate. This wasn't necessarily Tank fighting bad and Raleigh fighting good. This was Tank just, to a certain extent, carrying dude. But this was also Tank understanding what he had in front of him. And there was a lot of pride 
and a lot of street cred on the line. He didn't want to get caught with something silly and get dropped early on because that would be, you know, the video clip of that would be all over the web. He couldn't screw up. So he pl- he did play a little cautious, but he also understood after two or three rounds, hey, man, all I got to do is catch this guy with something hard. He's going to screw up. That's what I saw. If you just look at the punch numbers and you compare it to the rest of Tank's career, this was the first time he was in there with a guy that physically could punch at that weight. And he had to be a little careful. That's all. But it's not as if he fought bad and Raleigh fought great. It was just pretty much a guy that kind of let off the gas a little bit and was trying to set up counter shots. Anyway, um, I looked at this this morning. You know, Javante Davis has fought from 126 to 140. So four divisions, okay? And I looked at Ring Magazine's ratings at 126, 130, 135, 140. Of all the current guys we have rated, you're talking 40 fighters. And that doesn't include champions because we have some champions in those divisions. But 40 fighters we have rated. Tank has fought one, one. And that is Isaac Cruz. We rate him number six at 135. Now, there were a handful of guys that Tank has fought who were rated in the top 10 before or who were former title holders, real title holders, okay? In the case of Pedraza, in the case of Santa Cruz. Yes, but I'm saying if you look at the current landscape, those 40 40 rated fighters from 126 to 140 by Ring Magazine, there is only one that Tank has fought. One out of 40. That is an extraordinarily weak resume. Extraordinarily weak. and. I bring this up because it is relevant when you have people putting this guy in their pound for pound list and they're basing it on the eye test. They're basing it on talent potential. I understand those things, but that's not how you rate a fighter. If there is a pound for pound list for ceiling, talent, explosiveness, ticket selling, those sorts of things tanks on it. But in terms of accomplishment, guys, of 40 rated fighters in those divisions currently. I'm not talking about when he fought him. I'm talking about right now. He's fought one of 40. That is significant. That's very significant. And a lot of the yes men that are riding the tank train right now, the tank Davis train, they're not asking the tough questions. They're not bringing up those points. They don't want to lose access. Okay. Let's jump Real quick to, actually, probably not so quick to the preview. Because we got two really, really, really good fights this weekend, man. Um, Saturday, June 4th. Wow, it's almost June. Man, man, man. Matchroom Boxing, Motor Point Arena, Cardiff, Wales. I'll bring this up real quick. This is on the zone. Uh, not the greatest fight, but it's an interesting one. Um, and it's a developmental fight for a former Olympian over there in the UK. Kenichi Agawa defending his, actually, it's the first defense of the IBF junior lightweight title that he won in his last fight. Uh, He won a vacant title in his last fight. Uh, So it's a Japanese veteran defending that belt for the first time in Wales against Joe Cordina, who is 14-0, 2016 Olympian. This is a chance for him to grab this belt, and guess what? I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to win a decision here. This is set up for him to win, and this is a chance for him to join the ranks of belt holders in the world of boxing today. All right. Um, big one, big, big, big one over in Melbourne, Australia, Debella Entertainment at Marvel Stadium in the Docklands. 
on ESPN here in the United States. And by the way, I will be covering this event for ringtv.com. So look for my write-ups there, all right? Um, I'm excited for this one, man. George Cambosos Jr. and Devin Haney fighting for the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. Also on this card, Lucas Brown and Junior Fa. This is an interesting heavyweight fight over there in Aussie land. Uh, Lucas, <clears throat> Lucas Brown has been one of their better heavyweights in recent years. A lot of ups and downs, some, some trouble outside the ring, performance enhancing drugs, all that stuff. Briefly held a title. He's had some good and some bad in his career, but um, pretty entertaining usually. Win, lose, or draw makes for usually fun heavyweight fights. Junior Fa, coming off his first professional loss to Joseph Parker last February, has not fought since. So coming off a very long layoff. So 10 rounds heavyweights, that should be a fun fight. And then also uh, the Maloney brothers are fighting on the undercard. But let's talk about this main event, man. So George Cambosos, last time we saw him in the ring, he shocked the world against Tiafima Lopez. And you have to respect Cambosos. He went through a lot to get that fight. And he had to deal with a lot of stuff outside the ring uh, with his family. He sacrificed greatly. And he went in there against an overconfident uh, Tiafima Lopez and made him pay. And you just saw Cambosos started hungry. He wanted it more. He dropped Lopez early on, busted him up a little bit. However, <clears throat> however, if you watch, and I've watched that fight a couple of times, Tia was able to work his way back into that fight and make it close down the stretch. Now, I thought the right man won. I thought Cambosos won the fight. However, if you look at his face at the end of those 12 rounds, Tia would put some leather on him. He had hurt him late, put him down. The fact that Tiafimo Lopez was able to come back after such a bad start the way he did, in my personal personal opinion, shows the level that Tio, I still think, on his best night, is a better fighter than Cambosos. And that is not to disrespect Cambosos, okay? Because I think highly of him. I just also think highly of Tio. The problem with Tio is, is um a problem of motivation and some mental, emotional stuff with his family and everything else going on over there. And he hasn't done a damn thing since losing that fight. Meanwhile, Cambosos is about to defend against one of the great young talents in all of boxing. So I think George Cambosos deserves tremendous credit for going literally from Tiafima Lopez to Devin Haney. He could have just went over to Australia and fought two or three stiffs and just banked a ton of money. And look what he's doing in this very next fight. Brass balls on this guy. Deserves tremendous credit. However, I do have to say, guys, if Tiafima Lopez could still make 135 comfortably, if he could get back to 100% of who he was when he fought Vasily Lomachenko, I'd maybe favor him in a rematch against Cambosos. I know I sound crazy to you, a lot of you, but that's just my, my gut feel. Going into this fight with Devin Haney, I understand that Devin Haney has looked wobbly at times. He's been shaking a little bit from some hard punches. We've seen him, his knees buckle a little bit. There are questions about his chin. There are questions about his punching power. He's also attached to the hip with his father, and his father's not going to be there. His father can't go to Australia. 
and he has limited contact with him, won't be in his corner this weekend. I recognize all of that. And yet, I am still picking Devin Haney to win this fight by decision. I just think he is going to learn from the things Tiafima Lopez did wrong and also learn from some of the things Tiafima Lopez did right in that fight between him and Cambosos last year. And I expect Haney to seize this moment and win a decision. And he might win eight, nine rounds, 10 rounds. I don't know about eight or nine rounds in this fight. And maybe the scorecards will have it closer. It'll be like 115, 113. But that's just my gut feel on this, that Devin Haney wins a decision. And I, I further it with this. Top rank, who knows what they're doing, signed this kid to a three-fight deal. Knowing that you got this first fight with Cambosos, there's a contractually obligated rematch if the, the winner and loser want it. And then there's an, a third fight, which is an option fight. Top rank knows what they're doing here. And I, generally speaking, they don't make bad moves with this kind of stuff. They have sometimes. They have made mistakes. But the way – I get it, guys. It, it's set up on paper for Cambosos to win this fight. Every, every box you, you check for him. I understand all that. But I think Haney's going to put it together. I think he's shown us little pieces, little flashes of things he could do in different fights before. I think this weekend he puts it together, and I think he wins this fight. That, that being said, Cambosos is going to give him absolute hell. But that kind of plays into what Haney wants to do. And I just think he's going to box this kid. And um, I think it's going to be entertaining. But at times, it's going to be a frustrating fight to watch, particularly if you're a Cambosos fan. Uh, there are going to be some things that Haney does from a technical standpoint that are just going to annoy the shit out of some of you. But in the end, I think he has his hand raised. And I think the American brings the unified, undisputed lightweight championship back home to the United States. And I think that it's going to be a great story. And everything I just said about Gervonta Tate Davis, pretty much going to be saying the antithesis about Devin Haney after this weekend, if everything goes the way I think it will. Because in one fail swoop, hell, Devin Haney agreeing to do this fight, especially not without his father there, is a bolder decision than anything Gervonta Davis or Ryan Garcia have done in their entire career combined. And I get it. His back was against the wall. He kind of had to do this fight. Uh, the, the matchroom deal was done. It's not like anybody was banging down his door. I understand all those things. I'm not trying to give the kid too much credit, but let's be honest. There are a lot of other fighters in that position, especially American fighters, particularly the two American fighters I just named, who certainly wouldn't have done it. Does anybody think if Ryan Garcia and Gervonta Davis were in a similar position that they would have fought George Cambosos like this? Come on. Do you guys think Jamel, Jamel Chowler is going to go over to Australia and fight Tim Zhu? Do you really think that? So give the kid some credit, especially if he pulls it out. Give the kid some credit, all right? Now, coming back here to America, TGB Promotions uh, has a card at the Armory in Minneapolis, Minnesota that will be on Showtime. In the main event, Stephen Fulton, 20-0, defending his unified junior featherweight. That's 122-pound titles against Daniel Roman. That's a damn good fight. 
In the co-main, David Morrell, 6-0, one of the WBA's 5,000 champions at 168 in a showcase matchup. So, look, Fulton Roman, I like this fight a lot. Stephen Fulton is one of those guys that's on the cusp of pound-for-pound consideration. I want to see him fight Akhmedialev or somebody like that before I put him there. But Daniel Roman is an experienced veteran. He's been in with some very, very good fighters. He has a very fan-friendly style. He has traveled. He's gone on the road and fought internationally. So going to Minneapolis won't be a big thing for him. And um, not that Stephen Fulton's from Minneapolis. He's from Philly. But this is obviously like Minneapolis is becoming a place for these some of these PBC cards. For whatever reason, they have a deal set up there. It's kind of like their Midwestern Barclays, if you will, for them. And um, this, you know, obviously Fulton's the A side here, but I think Roman's going to bring a very, very tough fight for him. This is great matchmaking. It's going to be a very good developmental fight for Fulton, who only lacks, if there's anything he lacks, it's power. But he seems to really have everything else. So this is a real good fight, guys. Don't miss Fulton and Roman. I think they're going to deliver. I think in terms of action, Probably going to be the best fight of the weekend. In terms of atmosphere, of course, Cambosos Haney is going to be amazing. The Australian fans are going to be outstanding. It's going to be so much fun watching that fight. I can't wait to watch it and report on it live and, and post the recap on ringtv.com for you guys, give you my thoughts on it. So that's the big event, of course. But just in terms of matchup, X's and O's and competitiveness, I'm expecting Fulton and Roman to deliver. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I really, really expect it to deliver. I think it's going to be a good one. And I'm pretty high on Stephen Fulton. Man, Philly boxing right now, definitely having a resurgence. They, they got some good fighters coming up, man. So Philly boxing for a while was kind of looking, I don't want to say bleak, but they were definitely, you know, a little down, trending up right now. Uh, some really, really good fighters coming up, man. So anyway. I think that's it. Let me jump back to the chat real quick. Let me jump back to the chat. Uh, let's see. What did I miss? If anything. <clears throat> Gail says, Mike, sympathy pregnancy waits for dad is real. Gail, I am trying so hard to avoid that shit. <laughs> it was hard training for a fight with a pregnant wife, let me tell you. Um, but now that I've had a couple weeks off, Oh boy. Oh boy. Is it hard, but I refuse to be like that. What do they call it? The dad bod and all that. Nah, that should have happened to me, man. No way. Hamed says salute Mike TNC on at 5 PM UK time. Yes. I finally got on a little bit uh, early for you guys. Javier Gonzalez with a, I think this is a smart comment. Shakur Stevenson pieces up tank. You heard it here first. I gotta say, brother, I agree with you. Because Shakur Stevenson is getting developmental fights. His last two fights against Oscar Valdez and Jamel Herring, I mean, those were the types of matchups that are going to build him up and just make him a better fighter. And Tank's just not getting those matchups right now that are developing him. So Lobster11 says exactly, Mike, and he's regarding to uh, the Tank versus Rally fight. He says, this was a show, and maybe the promotions was, was the producer, casting agent, and director. Yes, and again, I'm just going to repeat this same script, different title, different co-star, same script. And some of you out there get duped and you keep going to see the movie 
over and over and over and you leave the theater pissed off and you get on your rotten tomatoes and you say, oh, this shit sucked. Not understanding that you were completely manipulated. And some of you, even worse, you're going to Vegas and betting on this shit, not understanding that you're completely being had. Once again, that two-fight parlay, Davis and Lara by stoppage, that was free money. Free money. If you missed out, that's on you. Papa Chubby says, Mike, I am still at work. This is madness. Madness. Hey, man. <laughs> if you're watching me at work, then that's pretty cool. You know, you, you're definitely not working that hard if you're watching me. So it must be a pretty good day. <clears throat> Midwest Boxing says, I don't think Devin will win. Look, you're not alone, man. A lot of people will think I'm crazy for having the opinion I have. A lot of people riding high with George Cambosos. And again, if I'm proven wrong, it won't be the first time. Um, but I think the scorecards will be mostly fair. I expected scorecards to be fair. I think that Cambosos is going to give a hell of an effort, and he might even have a fast start and be up three, four rounds into this fight. I just expect Haney to make those adjustments in the middle rounds and box his ass off late. That's just what I see. That he almost had, I don't want to say he almost had Tiafima Lopez out of there, but he was piecing him up early in that fight. And it was one-way traffic. And Lopez was able to work his way back in there and almost have Cambosos out. Haney is a taller, longer, and even a better boxer than Tiafimo. Now, he's not as explosive. Definitely not. But he's – George is going to have to punch up at Devin Haney. And the length and everything else, there's just a part of me that thinks this is going to look somewhat – now, I'm not saying exactly – but somewhat like when Shakur Stevenson fought Oscar Valdez. I do think it will be more competitive than that. I think Cambosos will have more moments. He will win more rounds than Valdez did against Stevenson. I'm just saying from a technical standpoint, it's going to kind of look like that. Not exactly, but kind of. And again, if I'm proven wrong, you guys know that I'll own that right here on the show. I will own it. But if I'm right, you got to give me some credit. <laughs> Uh, Kouster says fake Italians call sauce gravy and eat fettuccine Alfredo. Okay. Number one, I agree with you on the fettuccine Alfredo thing. I don't eat that shit. And it, it, it doesn't exist in Italy. Although now in the Northern cities, the tourist cities and stuff, they'll make it for Westerners that come over there for Americans, for Yankees, they'll make it for them. But Hey man, my family calls that shit gravy, that marinara sauce. That's red gravy. Now, you want to call me fake Italian, that's fine. You can call me uh, fake half Italian. How about that? <clears throat> Let's see. What else we got here? <laughs> Gail says, no body shaming for me. I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it cut, Gail. I'm keeping it sexy. There's no way I'm getting that dad bod. No way. Jay, D Jay Dillard says, you think Cambosis will win because you're overrating Tio? Eh, fair enough. Oh, wait a second. I don't think Cambosos will win. I think Haney's going to win. <laughs> so actually, that maybe you're talking to somebody in the chat. My bad if you are. Zach D says, no American or Australian judges either. Yeah, look, Zach, I expect, because Top Rank is involved in this, it's a DeBella Entertainment show, okay? DeBella's paying the judges, okay? His fighter is the A-side. So I do think George is going to get some special treatment from the judges. So if it's an eight or nine round win for Haney, you're probably going to see 115, 113 on the scorecards. But I think the right man will win. I hope there's no fuckery. I hope. 
Jay Dillard says, Loma almost stopped Tio at the end. I don't know if he almost stopped him, but he definitely won the second half of that fight, and he saw something. He found something in the second half of that fight, and there is a reason that Tiafima Lopez and his team did not want that rematch, okay? I saw something in those late rounds, and so did Loma and his team, and so did Tio and his team, and they were not jumping at the bit to get that rematch. They were looking at Cambosos, although he was a mandatory, in fairness. Coster says Haney is overrated and chinny. He's soft. We're going to find out. My thing is, if he's so soft, why did he agree to go to Australia to fight this dude? Why did he agree to fight him with his dad not in his corner? There's got to be something to this kid. Now, maybe he is soft. Maybe we'll find out. And if and if we find it out, guys, then we know. You know, and we get an- we're going to get answers to some questions. That's what I like about this matchup. I like fights where we get questions answered. Let me ask you guys this. This past weekend, when Gervonta Davis fought Raleigh Romero, did we get any questions answered? Any? No. We already knew Tank could sell tickets. We already knew Tank was explosive and could get guys out of there at that level with one shot. We already knew Tank had some fundamental flaws and would probably lose a couple rounds or, you know, you could punch him. We knew Raleigh was fundamentally flawed and was eventually going to get clipped. We knew all these things. We got no questions answered. This weekend in Australia, we're going to get some questions answered. All right, now, who's overrated? Who's underrated? Well, we're going to find out. And I like that. Papa Chubby says, Haney will blind him with his jab. That's how I tend to see it, bro. That's how I, especially in the second half of the fight. And he's just going to turn this kid. Turn him. Bust up his eyes and turn him over and over and over. What's that song by the Beatles? Turn, turn, turn. That's what we're going to see. And I, I just think that's what it's going to be, man. But again, I'm proven wrong. I own that shit. All right, let's jump to these phones real quick, guys. Maybe we'll take a call real quick. Uh, let's see, 737, you're on the show. What's going on? Hey, Mike. Lawrence, uh, Lawrence in London. How you doing? Nige, what's up, man? How you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, obviously, I just said congratulations on the on the Litland. Um, Thank you. Obviously, you now know it's a girl too. Yep. Um, I'm also expecting around the same time as you. I think you said October. Yeah. Uh, and I'll yeah. I think yeah. I'm expecting a girl in October as well. So. Nice. Congratulations, <laughs> brother. That's great, man. Yeah. Thanks. But um, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, I'm sorry to hear that you lost your last fight. Um, yeah, I hear a lot of the frustration about that amateur sort of scoring where they just it's just volume really, um, and they don't really score clean punches. I had a similar situation where I dropped the guy and it did get called and knocked out, and that should have been a ten eight round. And, Same know, thing happened to me, man. But I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I heard you saying all of that, um, but I would encourage you to try and get back in there one more time before before all your time is taken up. By uh, in the middle of the night and then being yeah. woken up every couple of hours. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think you should go again. What, what, what are your thoughts at the moment? Have you thought about it? Mark? I'm fifty fifty. There's a possibility that the Kronk team might be doing an event up in Detroit and dedicating it to Emmanuel Stewart. And they've talked to me about that. And it's if they do that, they said that I can be on the show. Something like that would be really hard to pass up. And it would, I think, give me the motivation to show up in better shape. I just didn't really care about this last fight, man. I just didn't want it enough. I finished strong, but I started late. And it's 100% on me. It's my fault. 
and you just learn from that. So, yeah, maybe get in there one more time. We'll have to see. I'm 50-50. Yeah, um, on, on general boxing stuff, uh, Davis and Romero, I completely agree that I think they're, they're sort of ruining him. They're stunting his growth. If he doesn't start fighting quality opponents, that the shit will have sort of sailed and yeah. he'll end up in a he's sort of one-trick pony like Wilder. He's much more skilled than Wilder. He's, much, he's a much better boxer than Wilder, right. as he said. But he, he does rely on his power and he, he gets frustrated when it's not sort of, you know, knocking people out with ease. And it, he drops rounds against fighters that he just shouldn't be, just aren't on his level. He shouldn't even be sharing the ring with Wally Romero, let alone making it seem remotely competitive at any point. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, just, it's a shame they're going down that path because I'd, I I would like to see him just fight better fighters. He could be he could really carve out a quality uh, legacy with the talent that he's got. But if he continues to do this, he'll he'll eventually fall off and get found out. I completely agree. It's 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 inevitable. That's what this sport does to you. And again, people always compare to Floyd Mayweather, but they forget. When Floyd was pretty boy, he fought some killers at 130, at 135. Yeah. He he was developed so that later on he could kind of pick and choose and and do what he wanted at 47 and 54. But these guys, you know, they don't want to put in that background and uh, put in the hard work. And just I don't see where Tank has developed. I don't see where he's any better today than he was three, four, five fights ago. Have you seen any improvement? Yeah. No, I, I I think about Pedraza still being his best win. Absolutely, and I think that was 2016. Absolutely, um, and we've not seen we've not seen sort of him reach that level since, and it's because he's not had to, you know, he's not had to that had that quality opposition. Um, Floyd, even Floyd, I mean, he, you know, I I understand that his money may run, especially with Showtime, with a lot of smoke and mirrors, but he was still fighting the likes of Cotto, Mosley. Right. You know, still doing his thing against the top in the division, and then eventually Pacquiao. But Tank is just—he's honestly, some of these guys are like cannon fodder for him. I, I can't imagine he works. He has to work that hard training, other than to get hit to meet weight. He doesn't. I know he knows that these guys aren't on his level, so that sort of has an effect on how he's motivated, etc. So you just don't—you're not forced to improve if you fight people that are far below. Um, and it's a shame. It is a shame. It's a waste. Um, I think that's all I had, though, Mike. Thanks very much for having me on. Thanks <laughs> and, a lot, uh, brother. Yeah, congrats again. Thank you, and same <laughs> to you, man. Peace, we'll talk soon, brother. Yeah, yeah. Bye. Yeah, you know, um, to Nigel's point, I was just thinking with Raleigh. I'm sorry, with Raleigh, with Tank. There were issues before where he missed weight a couple times. He was getting in trouble outside the ring. It does seem as though those things have gotten better. And he's learned from it. He's Maybe he's maturing a little bit. Maybe his management has kind of reeled some of that in. So now he's showing up in shape. He's showing up on weight. He's not, he's not you know, uh, coming in heavy or anything. And he's, for the most part, at least lately, staying out of trouble. So they can just keep this machine going right now. And he could get in the ring twice a year against this level of fighter. And Tank's fans are not going to demand any more than that. They're still going to show up as long as they get the right co-star for the movie, right? If I keep using this analogy. 
you got to have that co-star that gets the fans interested in going to see the show. And Raleigh was that. Isa Cruz wasn't. You know, they didn't care as much, but Raleigh kind of played that um, villain role and it just kind of the goofball, the clown, and it worked. I really think this this sold better than Tank's recent pay-per-views. But how many other guys on this level exist that can play that role the way Raleigh can? That I don't know. Still, even if it's Isa Cruz kind of guy, um, the Tank fans are going to show up. So they have a they have a really built-in uh, system here. You know, it's working for them. Why would he change that? Unless he wants to be great, unless he wants to top challenges, he will let us know with who he signs with next. That will tell us everything we need to know about him. All right, back to the phone as we go. We're going out to LA213. What's up? You're on the show. What's going on, Mike? How's it going? Good, brother. How you doing? Okay. Now, can you explain why Tank keeps on calling Haney out if he wins Cambosas? Does Haney have to do a rematch if he wins? Yeah, he's calling him out because he knows that. There's no way they can fight. So it's the Twitter <laughs> call out and Tank's fans buy it. I mean, it's, yeah, that's just easy. <laughs> now, if uh, Cambosis does win the fight, do you think Stevenson should do the WBO option to move to a uh, challenge for his championship? Because he has, he's the WBO champ right now, right? Yeah, I think whoever wins, he should. And top rank will have a vested interest. Look, even if Haney wins, they have an interest in Haney. And, of course, they have Stevenson. So if they can match the two of them, boom. Do you see Cambos is not taking the rematch? It's very possible. If, if he loses. Yeah, if, if he loses bad, if it's like a shutout, if it, <laughs> okay. if it does look like Stevenson Valdez, perhaps he doesn't. It depends. All right. Uh... One quick thing about the ring ratings. Are, when are you guys going to move Lara up from junior middleweight? We talked about that this weekend. We're going to we're going to do it in this next update this week. We're going to move him up to 160 because right. that's where he's going to be now. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, what do you feel about Pacquiao talking about coming back? I guess elections are kind of expensive for him. Yeah. God. Man, I love Manny. I love Manny. But please, please, Manny, don't do it. Oh, I hope not. You really? I mean, uh, if he does like now, an exhibition fight in the Philippines, it makes it for free. So like the whole country can go and it's just an exhibition match or something. That's fine. But I really don't want to see him in there. With you the don't want guy. him. Oh, you don't want him back in the waterweight division at all. Oh, God, hey. no. God, imagine if he fought. Because Manny's crazy enough. He would fight like Jerron Ennis or something like that. He would do it. You know, it's like, oh, that could get so ugly so quick. Oh, that would be so bad. Yes. Oh, I don't want to see that one. Now, uh, if I'm hearing things right, it doesn't sound like Top Rank is going to be going for the unification in the light heavyweight division. Yeah, let's see how that plays out. I mean, Bob Arum has been very, very dismissive of uh, Dimitri Bevel. But I hope that can change. Uh, Bob says a lot of crazy shit that I just completely disagree with, but he knows that Dimitri Bevel is a very good fighter. So I'm hoping that he would change his mind on that. 
do you think that if she's waiting to see what happens with Canelo Golovkin and get Canelo to sign on with him, should he win for a fight? Uh, maybe, but I don't. I don't think Canelo would ever sign with Top Rank. He, he the way he's doing business would not, not fit in. Sign on. You, he wouldn't even do a one fight deal with Top Rank for a three belt. Maybe a, maybe a one fight deal. Yes, maybe a one fight deal. Uh, it is possible, but you got to remember. So the Canelo Bevel rematch is pretty much signed, and I think it's good for a whole year. So depending on how things play out, I, I Canelo think, could fight him. I think Bevel might have screwed himself out of that rematch. I'm sorry to say. Well, he, he just uh, he said that he was gonna like if he wasn't gonna be able to renegotiate his contract. He's talking about retiring, and that's kind of a sore subject for me. It kind of triggered me a little bit. Beevil said that? Oh, yeah, in an interview. I can't, <laughs> I can't I believe it, that. I, was not happy. I think that's just that he just said uh, that shit to get people talking or to help with his contract okay. negotiations. Because you got to think about it. He just came off the best win of his career. There's no way he's going to retire. I can't see that happening. I know. I, I and He's probably high on the win, but if he wants to cost him a fight with Canelo for the rematch, I think that's a good way of doing it, you know? True. True that. Uh, but thanks for the call, and uh, happy Memorial Day. Over thanks, there. man. Same to you, brother. Have a good one. You too, man. All right, there we go. We got a super chat pledge from Mark Ashley. Thank you, Mark. He says, Broner had potential. So does Tank. Tank seems to be wasting his in a different way. Oof. Damn. Yeah? On that note. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You know, hey, we're going to, as I was just about to drop, and then I looked over here and saw Nacho's on the line. We're going to take Nacho's call. Then we'll drop. Then we'll drop. Let's see what Nacho's got to say. I want to know what Nacho has to say about Tank and Raleigh. So here we go. <clears throat> Nacho, what's up, man? How you doing? I my uh, man, it's a good thing I found out that you were on. I was thinking you were going to be on at the regular time. Wow, good thing <laughs> I caught it before you got off. I would say, yeah, it's early for you. It's like uh, ten in the morning for you over there. So yeah, that's why I was like, oh wow, like you guys are on already. I was like, oh okay. Um, so just uh, real quick, um, you know, I honestly thought Mike that you know he. Tank was looking for the knockout, and and that's that's what he wanted because he kept telling people that he wanted his corner, he wanted Raleigh's corner to stop the fight. He wanted to punish him, and, and you know he wanted to get him out of there. But uh, I honestly felt like he was giving those rounds away, looking for the knockout. Yeah. And as the fight went on, you could see, you could see that. Uh, what's it called? That's all Tank was looking for. Tank was looking for him to get perfectly lined up to have him walk into a, a left hand. And that's what ended up happening. Ra Raleigh got too confident in that he thought he could just keep uh, walking him down and he was going to be able to, to throw something and kind of get uh, his, his head out of there and not get hit. And unfortunately, he walked right into the perfect uh, counter for that shot of his when he tried to go to Tank's body and he lunged and his head was right there on a, on a tee frame and he landed that left hand and mm -hmm. 
it was over. Good night at that point. Um, for him to sit there and say that he felt like um, they stopped it too early and that he deserves a rematch, <laughs> no. Yeah. I think if the ref if the ref lets him go on, uh, Tent goes right after him and lays him out like the way he did against Santa Cruz, and then we're seeing Raleigh and memes of him getting you know laid out under the under the the ring ropes. If, if that would have happened, if they would have let that, so Raleigh needs to just accept the loss and and move on. Um, the only thing, Mike, is that I'm curious to see if. Uh, Tank ends up having to actually fight um, Michelle Rivera, who I think is the next guy that PBC has uh, plans on fighting him uh, at 35. If uh, if that ends up being the guy, I mean that's a decent matchup. But at the same time, like, I mean, are they ever going to let him fight somebody outside of the promotion, or is this just going to be the pattern moving forward? Is it has to be somebody who's a PBC uh, signed fighter because this is getting really just old at this point. Um, and then uh, I just wanted to touch on the other ones really quick. Man, I don't know what the hell uh, commission uh, licensed uh, Spike O'Sullivan to keep going out there. So that guy needs to call it a career. Yeah. He's just getting beat up at this point. And, and Lara, Lara was just playing with him the whole time. It felt like Laura could take him out whenever he wanted to, and he just like was just getting rounds and beating this guy up. And it's funny how you know Showtime uh, commentators act like he knocked out this really great middleweight, and it's like, really? Come on! Like this guy has been done for a few years, and you guys are giving an old Laura all this credit? It's ridiculous. But I did find it interesting though that they did say that he wanted to fight. Uh, is it Jamal, the one that's at uh, 60? Yeah, Jamal. Yeah, he wanted to fight Jamal, that he was okay with fighting him, even though they used to be stablemates. And I was like, I'm fine with that. I mean, it's better than watching him fight Spike O'Sullivan at this yeah. point, you know? It's ridiculous. And then uh, Ramos and Santa Maria, I was a little disappointed in that fight, uh, Mike. I really thought that Ramos was going to go out there and really make a statement trying to take Santa Maria out. But he played it ultra cautious. Mm. He just literally, you know, kind of held back and didn't really go after him, just kind of, you know, touched him up from the outside and landed a few shots here and there towards the end. But I was somewhat disappointed in that performance. I really thought he was going to go out there and try to make a statement. Instead, he... He went with the the safety first route, one on points, and, you know, he moves on. Um, I'm curious to see what they do with him because I honestly thought he was going to stay at 47, but it seems like he's growing too fast to stay at a certain weight class. Like right now they have him at 54. I don't know if that 54 is his best bet because it seems like the guys they have at 54 might be too tough for him at this point. Yeah. So I'm curious to see what they do with him moving forward because I don't think he's ready for any of those guys. No, not the top um, guys. And then, yeah, the just, yeah, he's, yeah, he's not ready for any of those guys. And then uh, just real quick with the fights uh, this this weekend, um, I like to – I'm definitely going to watch both of them. I'm curious to see how Fulton Roman goes. I think that's an even more competitive matchup. Than Danny Cambosos. Me too. Although I do think Cambosos is going to 
is going to give Haney a run for his money, I still expect Haney to figure out a way to win that fight. I just I think he's going to find that extra gear to figure out and win that fight. Um, and then Fulton Roman, I think people are sleeping on Danny. Uh, I think Danny is a little craftier. Um, he's got more experience than Fulton. And he's not the same type of guy that Fulton just beat in uh, Brandon Figueroa. He's not a come-forward, Chuck Leather, um, all-night fighter. He's a cerebral guy who likes to go in there. He likes to set his shots up. He likes to set you know, traps, and, and he likes to counter. So I think it's going to be a real interesting matchup for sure. I don't think people picking Fulton to win this, uh, uh, they're going to be surprised mm. at, at Roman and see how, how good he is for sure. But it should be a good fight. All right, Mike. Uh, that's all I got. Thanks, Nacho. Hey, man, have, have a good uh, holiday yeah. with your family, brother. Thanks. You too, man. Good stuff. Yeah, I agree. I, I pretty much see it the way Nacho does. I mean, I think that Fulton Roman is actually going to be more competitive with two-way action than the fight in Australia. But I'd love to be proven wrong. I, I just hope we get two great fights, man, because those are two great matchups. And I know, guys... Um, I'm going to get back to my holiday, and you should get back to yours. Enjoy the day off. For everyone watching around the world, um, thank you so much for the support, and I hope you guys enjoy the fights this weekend. A reminder, I will be covering the Australian card for ringtv.com, so look for my recaps there. All right? Until then, enjoy your week. I'll see you at the fights.